أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد. So today we continue with the uh, chapter regarding the virtues of the first uh, rows, uh, the first ranks in the salat, and the commandment to finish the first rows first, um, and the commandment to uh, straighten and uh, uh, straighten the rows and to fill the gaps between them. One said, "Anas ibn Malik and Taala anhu." أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال رصوا صفوفكم وقاربوا بينها وحاذوا بالأعناق فوالذي نفسي بيده إني لأرى الشياطين تدخل من خلل الصف كأنها الحذف حديث صحيح رواه أبو داود بإسناد على شرط مسلم والحذف بحائن Muhmalatin Wazalin Mu'ajamatin Maftuhatini Thumafain Wahiya Ghanamun Sudun Sigarun Takunu Bil Yemen. Sayyidina Anas bin Malik radiallahu ta'ala who narrates <coughs> that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam once said, uh, close close your ranks, close your rows, the gaps between them, close them. And uh, uh Make them near to one another, meaning don't make the space between the rows and the salat far away. Don't make it like one row and then like five feet back the second row. Rather, there should be enough space between the rows that a person can make sajda without uh, uh, bothering the person in front of in front of them. Uh, but then after that, don't make the space between the rows uh, excessive. Wahadu bil a'naq, and make your necks even with one another. Meaning the straightness of the rows should be that the necks are all in one line. When people make a fight about whether it should be heels on the line, toes on the line, this hadith indicates that the, the necks should be uh, uh, in line with one another. Uh, and that the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam continues. The, the issue of the necks uh, uh, being the straightness of the lines and the shoulders, they're really the same thing because the neck... Uh, uh, the neck will uh, insert into the shoulders, so they're at the same place. So the Prophet ﷺ then, وسلم, then swears an oath. He says, I swear by the one in whose uh, 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 hand my soul is. Who is the one in whose hand the Rasul Wasallam's soul is? Who is it? Is it in the hands of a person? I don't know. Have you ever seen somebody hold someone's soul in their hand? So who's the one who can, who, in whose hand is, is, is the soul of the Prophet ﷺ? Allah Ta'ala. Yeah. So he swears an oath. He says, I swear an oath by the one in whose soul my uh, in whose hands is my soul. That nafsi biyadihi. He says, I swear that oath by the one in whose hand is my soul. That I see, I indeed see uh, 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 devils, shayateen, entering uh, between the <coughs> the gaps in the rows. <laughs> As if they are hadaf. Hadaf is the, the, the plural uh, of the word hadfa, which is a hadafa, which is the name of a, a type of 
uh, goat from Yemen. Uh, and the reason it's called hadaf, hadaf in Arabic means to cut something off. So the hadaf is what? It's like a really small sheep. But it's a sheep that's like way below average size. Uh, so it's a, a type of a black sheep or goat from Yemen, which is way below size. So he sees that he sees that shaitanic force uh, uh, coming between the gaps in the the gaps in the the rows of people in salat. Meaning what? Meaning when you're in when you're praying together, right? The the faith and the nur comes from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and it spreads from the imam, from where the imam is, through the different rows of the masjid. And when there's gaps between, when there's gaps between the rows, shaitan is not going to be happy. So shaitan is going to try to get into those gaps and block the, the, the nur and the benefit and the ajr and the barakah of that salat from getting to people. So the Prophet ﷺ emphasized all of these adab of the way the salat is supposed to stand. Why? So that the people can get the maximum benefit spiritually from the prayer. Now the spiritual benefit isn't the only benefit. Obviously if you understand what you're saying in the salat, <clears throat> there's more benefit. If you focus, there's more benefit. If you ponder, there's more benefit. But the salat has many several different types of benefit. And this is an important type as well. And so Islam is not to say that, oh, I only take the spiritual benefit and I don't care about understanding. And it's not to say that, oh, look, I understand. And therefore the other types of benefit are not important. Rather, the, the path of Islam is to what? is to uh, uh, take all the different types and combine them inwardly and outwardly uh, when a person takes benefit from the, uh, from the Salat. When Sayyidatina Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, anna Rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqala, atimu as-safa al-muqaddama, thumma al-ladhi yalihi, fama kana min naqsin, falyakun fi as-safa al-muakhar. Rawahu Abu Dawud bi isnadin hasan. Uh, 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 so the, the last hadith Taala, He makes a remark That it's a hadith narrated by Abu Dawood And uh, 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 it is uh, 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 It is narrated by Abu Dawood On the condition of Muslim Meaning that the The, the hadith is sahih And it is uh, narrated according to the The, the condition of Muslim uh, and khair, that may be a bit, bit of an advanced issue to talk about for this dars, and it may be a bit of a distraction from what we want to talk about. But khair. <coughs> Sayyidina bin Malik radiallahu anhu also narrates that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "Complete the first, the front row first, uh, then the one that's behind it uh, in order, uh, and if there is a, any incomplete row in the masjid, it should be the last one. It should be the last one." Why? Because that's the place where the least amount of faith comes, and uh, uh, so the deficiency in it will be uh, will be uh, aggregate. It, all things considered, it will be the least amount of deficiency. Sorry, the last hadith was on Anas and Ibn Malik. This one is from Sayyidah Aisha radiAllahu ta'ala anha. Qalat qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. إِنَّ اللَّهُ مَلَائِكَتَهُ يُصَلُّونَ عَلَى مَيَّامِنِ الصُّفُوفِ رواه أبو داود بإسناد على شرط مسلم وفيه رجل مختلف فيه توثيقه 
we'll come back to this hadith, the, the, the commentary on it. وَعَنْ سَيْدْنَا الْبَرَائِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَىٰ عَنْهُ قَالَ كُنَّا إِذَا صَلَّيْنَا خَلْفَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ أَحْبَبْنَا أَنْ نَكُونَ عَنْ يَمِينِهِ يُقْبِلُ عَلَيْنَا بِوَجْهِهِ فَسَمِعْتُهُ يَقُولُ رَبِّ قِنِي عَذَابَكَ يَوْمَ تَبْعَثُ أَوْ تَجْمَعُ عِبَادَكَ رواه مسلم So now there's an issue that's mentioned with regards to the which side of the <coughs> the stuff is superior. Is the right side superior or the left side or the other? Possibility is the middle. Is the middle of the, the, the row superior? And so this hadith narrated by Sayyidina Al-Bara ibn Azib is that, the, the, that, that he said that we used to, when we prayed uh, behind Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we would, we would love to pray on his right side. Uh, because he would face us with his face, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. We would see part of his face. Um, <coughs> uh, 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 and he said that I heard him after the the salat say, "Oh my Lord, protect me from your torment on the day that you resurrect or on the day that you gathered." And so he, even here, you see, Al Barab no Azib is saying that although even it doesn't make much of a difference in the meaning. He's saying what he's saying what I don't remember. Did he say Yoma Tabath or did he say Yoma Tajma? Did he say Oh my Lord, uh, uh, protect me from your torment on the day that you resurrect or on the day that you gather your slaves? Obviously the meaning is the same. You cannot gather the slaves without resurrecting them. Uh, if you gather just dead bodies, then there's no torment and there's no enjoyment because it's just dead matter. Um, I find this hadith very interesting, which is what? <coughs> uh, Sayyidina al-Bara ibn Azib said that we used to like to be on his right-hand side. Why? Because he would turn to us and face us. So what's the difference between being on the right and the left then? If he's saying two salams, what's the difference then? Wallahu alam. No, and the reason I mention this is not necessarily to hack down other people's madhabs. If you're like, if you know, if that's your madhab, great, you know, wonderful. Enjoy yourself. The thing that bothers me and annoys me is when people act like, oh, I follow the one that has Dalil. Sure you do, buddy. Sure. Right? Uh, uh, people say, oh, I follow the hadith. Those are the people, I swear to you, have never read hadith before. But people say everything Quran and Sunnah. They've never read, there's two things they haven't read in their life. And one is called the Quran and the other is called the Sunnah. We don't know anything about it. Had they read, they would have known there's a delil both ways, and they would have known the issue is an issue of, uh, of tarjih, of <coughs> weighing different things that are narrated and seeing which thing is, which thing is slightly superior to the other. Otherwise, if people just were making up their own, making up their own fiqh, then uh, uh, we wouldn't have, you know, the ummah of the Prophet ﷺ would not have accepted that from them. So uh, 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 he says what? He says that we used to, we used to, we used to love that we would be on the right side of the saf. So that, that, that after the prayer is over, we would, we would get to see his face, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We would get to see his face, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Uh, uh, and I heard him say, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, at that time, uh, Oh my Lord, <coughs> protect me from your torment on the day that you resurrect or on the day that you gather your slaves. Uh, now, uh, tell me, 
uh, and the thing is that these things, these issues regarding that, like uh, regarding a difference in wording, uh, they could be from the uh, uh, they could be from the Sahabi who narrates the Hadith, or they could be from someone else in the chain. But and you know, to be honest with you, I didn't have tahqiq like it would have taken me like an hour just to look up this one issue anyway, right? So I don't have tahqiq on, on on what the what the deal is. But uh, uh, if any of the narrators in the chain uh, uh, were to be this cautious about the way they narrate the Hadith of the Prophet ﷺ for an issue that doesn't really make a difference, and the hadith business is cutthroat. Muslim doesn't narrate from Bukhari, even though they actually used to get along. And uh, the, Imam Bukhari, like he came in Nishapur, which was the the city of uh, 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 the city of the uh, <coughs> of Imam Muslim. Bukhari stayed in Nishapur for some time, and there were actually a number of the ulama that didn't like Bukhari. Surprise, surprise! Right, every great person always has great enemies. Muslim himself was described in his in his tabaqa. If you read his tabaqa in in uh, 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 what's his name, Dhabi Sirul Alam, Muslim was like he was like a really hard nosed person. Allah Taala have mercy on him. I mean, he was a guy that like he didn't used to take nonsense. And if he thought something was right, he would say it. And if if he if if he thought something was wrong, he would say it. So Bukhari rahimullah Taala even disagreed with him on certain issues. But like he would get upset when the ulama would, would, would basically pick on him. He would turn basically all of Bukhari's enemies into his own enemy. Despite the fact that he had rigorous disagreement with Bukhari with regards to how he, you know, certain conditions that he used to have for narrating, narrating hadith. Because this whole thing breaks down to then what's the, you know, the discussion with regards to the Asahul Kutub, which of the books uh, is the most sahih, is the most authentic with regards to the hadith of the Prophet wasallam. <clears throat> now, my Sheikh, Mu'ana Abdul Halim uh, uh, Chishti, and his name is published as Nu'mani in, in Arabic, uh, in his Arabic writings, partially because there's no Che in Arabic. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, the, Sheikh, the students of Sheikh Abdul Fatah Abu Ghudda, you know, they'll oftentimes quote him or his brother Mu'ana Abdul Rashid, both of which at some point or another held the chair of Takhasus fil Hadith in the Binuri Tan Madrasa in Pakistan. Um, he 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 says this whole discussion with regards to which book is most authentic is a uh, is is a, a quasi academic discussion in the first place why because each hadith has its own chain of narration and if the ulama cannot agree to which which chain of narration is the most authentic then how are they going to agree to which book is most authentic so he 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 considers this discussion to be a little bit a little bit uh, more cultural and less actually intellectual academic. There are a hundred people who, you know, if they heard this lecture would probably get ready to stab me on, on, on the internet for saying that. I'm just, I don't know anything myself. I'm just making knuckle what I, I'm just trying, you know, I'm just uh, conveying what I heard from our elders, from our mashayikh, from our teachers. But <clears throat> Muslim, rahimahullah ta'ala, uh, uh, despite his reverence for Bukhari, he doesn't narrate from him. Bukhari, despite his reverence for Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal, doesn't narrate from him. Why? Because the hadith business is cutthroat. It's like Muslims, right? If you can buy halal meat 10 cents cheaper at the next door, people stop caring even if it's, people stop caring even if it's like slaughtered properly or not. They're going to go for what's cheaper, right? 
So hadith business is, is very cutthroat. If you find a shorter sanad or you find a more correct narration from someone else, people will bounce. They don't, they're not going to, you know, you're not going to see it. So when someone narrates from someone, it means that is like the last person in the world that they can come and narrate from. There's really nobody else uh, who you're going to get better, better from. So it's very interesting when you see the, the shakarawi uh, uh, like type uh, al-fad in the hadith. The hadith where the, the narrators themselves admit that we don't know which wording is correct. Especially given that almost all, all of the instances where that occurs, it makes very little difference in the meaning. And the only reason that uh, the narrator would do that is what? Is because of their fear of Allah Ta'ala. Muslim himself, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, writes in the Muqaddimah, and his Muqaddimah that he considers this hadith, to be like mutawatir, the person who lies intentionally about me, let them prepare to take their, their, their seat in the fire. So the, the point of all of this is we have a, a lot of people who are like, oh, you know, I don't follow the, I don't follow the hadith, I only follow the Quran. Or they're like, oh, you know, it's just a hadith, who knows, you know, or like, I only follow the hadith if it like, you know, if it, if it, if it, if it, if it doesn't clash with the Quran or whatever, it's kind of stupid, like real sophomoric type of objections. And then those objections will evolve because look, not everybody who has information has ilm. Ilm is a light inside of the heart that allows a person to gather information and then that information takes them to something better and their own conduct and their own dealings with other people and their suluk toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the amount of benefit that they give to the ummah, etc., etc. That's what we consider ilm. Otherwise, there are all kinds of crazy people. Maybe I've mentioned it before. Uh, the Faizi brothers, Abu al-Fadl Faizi was like the Shaykh al-Islam of the Mughal Emperor Akbar. He once cl- <coughs> claimed uh, uh, he once claimed that I can write a tafsir of the Quran without using any letter that has dots in it. So no qaf, no fa, no bata tha, no dal, no zai, no, you know, bad, no va, right? He once, he once made that, that claim that I can write, write a, a complete tafsir of the Quran. So someone called him out. So on a very what the hell basis, he actually wrote it. Um, and it's actually like a cogent tafsir that explains the entire Quran without using any letter with dots in it in four volumes. And like it was copied in like just as like a curiosity like spread throughout the Muslim world there's manuscripts of it in the Arab lands in Damascus and things like that you'll find manuscripts of it apparently I'm told this by the Mashaykh and I haven't seen him myself <coughs> the thing is though that this guy is a crackpot he encouraged Akbar to like basically start a new religion because like Islam is now like old fashioned right people say Islam is old fashioned that was like back in the Mughal era I mean that was a long time ago so Islam is quote unquote old fashioned so so obviously he's he's not you know, his, that, that he has a lot of knowledge, he doesn't have a lot of ilm, right? So the issue is this, is that coming back to the what we're talking about is that if the hadith business is so cutthroat, still the people are afraid that if they, if they, if they lie against the Prophet ﷺ, not regular people, regular people are crazy, you know? But I'm talking about the, the class of muhaddithin, the people who are like the, the, like the, 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 the acceptable people from the muhaddithin. They were very concerned about this, that they're not going to jeopardize their akhirah just in order to be in the same book. So you have three levels. You can be like Bukhari level, like you're like famous hadith, like Don, right? And then the bottom bottom outcome is Jahannam. So they're like, look, in order to try to get the top one, we're not going to like th- toss ourselves in the hellfire. It's better just to be like not famous and get the reward for like the studying and teaching that you did, even if you don't get famous. Better than going to hell, 
right? It's a very logical process, a logical set of outcomes. So what happens is that the, the result is that the, the hadith narrators are very uh, uh, very picky about their, their, their wording. This is given the fact that as a matter of aqidah, we don't consider the hadith to be preserved word for word anyway. So something like this is an excess of, 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 out of abundance of cautiousness rather than a halal haram issue like do I have to or do I not have to. And what ends up happening is, okay, fine, not everybody in the system is telling the truth, right? We would all love to. It's interesting. People go through these phases. Like, it's like, okay, phase one, I eat everything but pork and I watch TV most of the day. Okay, phase two, I attended some bayan from some scholar who's like, oh, look, there's ilm. And then the, we have such a wonderful history and legacy. And if you pray, your life gets better. And now I'm like, oh, look, the scholars, there must be some sort of like half angel, half like wali type people walking around. And everything. And then the next phase is like, oh, wow, after like 20 years of hanging out with these people, I realized like all of the ones that I know are almost all the ones I know are complete slobs or at any rate they're not that like weird angelic thing that we understood or realized at that point you have like two directions you can go to you can either be like they're all frauds or you can be like well most of them you know are are, are trying to get you know uh, they're trying to do what's best and some of them are bad apples and most of them are somewhere in between the two extremes right at that point <clears throat> come back and look at the hadith issue that even if some muhaddithin like uh, uh, fudge the data, all it takes is one of them to mention something like this, and you now have a complete picture of the 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 of of what the Prophet said or didn't say. You understand what I'm saying? Only one of them has to spill the beans, and then what posterity will know that this hadith there's some shakan in this in this wording. Uh, and so if the point of hadith is to sh say how wonderful the muhaddithin is, that's not the point of hadith because this deen is not like meant to, you know, worship hadith narrators. It's the worship of Allah Ta'ala. What's the point of the hadith is to pass on what Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said with integrity. That you can know at that point that there is some integrity in the hadith that are being narrated. Why? Because so often you'll see the narrators, they doubt in every generation of the, uh, of the hadith being transmitted. If there's a doubt, did I hear this or did I hear that? Or is the dots like this or is the dots like that, etc., etc. All of it will come out in the wash. If you go like, you know, read like the super long works of tahqiq that, that, that the ulama of different generations wrote, you'll find, you'll pinpoint something or another somewhere. Now, this is fun. This is a benefit for Islam. There's more uh, problems behind it and there's more benefit behind that as well. What's the next set of problems? If all these things are so thoroughly documented, a person who is completely uh, unscrupulous and a person who wants to prove whatever they want to prove in life, oftentimes they want to prove what they want to prove in order to make money. Sometimes they want to do it to impress people. Sometimes they want to do it to show how smart they are. Sometimes people make stuff up in order to benefit Islam. There's an entire uh, uh, genre of hadiths that are, like, of the, like, that are completely like, flat out made up. That are about like the virtues, like whoever reads Surah Al-Fatiha this many times, you know, this good thing will happen, that good thing will happen. The person on his deathbed is like, okay, I, you know, I'm just going to admit, come clean because I don't want to go to hell. I made all these hadiths up. Why did you make them up? Well, because I saw people are, you know, they're, they're studying Mukhtasar Quduri too much and they're not studying the Book of Allah. And I thought the Book of Allah is more worthy that they should study it. So people make up stuff for all sorts of reasons. The idea is that now that there's all this material, a person can selectively pick and choose whatever they want to put it together in order to make whatever type of picture they want to make. This is problematic. This is very problematic, right? This is something that, that uh, 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 the Muslim tradition had from before. And it's something also is <coughs> a gift of <coughs> the Western academia of deconstructionism is that you can, you know, you can do that. You can pick and choose data in order to put, put it together in order to paint whatever picture you want to. 
Now a person's like, well, if that's the case, then do we know anything anymore? The Western academia actually uses this as a, parts of it at any rate, use this to return to the former like Indo-European uh, 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 conclusion that there is no such thing as truth, right? We say, hold on, hold your horses. If you have half of a brain and you worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah ta'ala guides you, this is part of our, this is part of our, our, uh, uh, our aqidah as well, that guidance isn't something that happened 1400 years ago. It's a, a continuous process. It happens not just not just to human beings. It happens to the plants and the animals. Allah Taala guides them and, and shows them the way forward through whatever different types of means and mechanisms. Some of them natural, some of them supernatural. Right? If you're guided, you will be able to make sense out of out of all of this data. And there are some people who are of such genius level uh, uh, intellect uh, combined with purity spiritually that they will come out and they'll pull out a a cohesive and a cogent. Uh, 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 a set of explanations of what's going on and all of this information and people will use it and it will bring them benefit in their life and they'll reform their lives to the better and through it they'll find Allah and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and they'll benefit for their this world, their outcomes in this world and their outcomes in the hereafter. So all of these levels of things are going on but a person should be cognizant of them. At any rate, the whole like, well I don't follow hadith because like some of it's made up, right? This like very sophomoric and very like low-level uh, objection which is very common uh, amongst people all I can say is the only reason that takfir shouldn't be made of such people is just because like they say so many dumb things in the day hopefully maybe Allah Ta'ala will forgive them just because they're like massively like debilitatingly like unintelligent people we pray for the best and if it doesn't work out for them that's their problem because I never said that you know what I mean like and if I did I made toba for it you know I made toba from saying stuff like that but uh, these are the things that, that, that uh, uh, they show us that they re- really weren't messing around with these things. And if any one of them did, there's so much data, all, they're all going to get caught. One of the objections, by the way, against Muslim uh, 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 is what? <coughs> is that he went into a majlis, all the, all the ulama told him off that your book, like literally there are many ulama, they saw Sahih Muslim, they got angry, they got upset. So if people are going to pick on Bukhari, then, you know, Imam Muslim is like, he's, you know, he's on deck, you know, and the other Shahasit are in the hole, you know, it's, it's, he's, he's going to get his turn as well. If Bukhari doesn't ice skate by with the pass, then, then, then they're all going to be in line for it, you know. So Muslim, the ulama, they read his book and they're like, what, what is this? This is horrible, right? You narrate from all of these like horrible people. Fulan is like Mubtadi'ah, Fulan is this person, Fulan is that person. And Muslim is like, look, all of these hadiths that I narrated from these people, I, I know better than you what their hal is. But they have a shorter chain of narration, and there, if there wasn't, that there are several other longer chains of narration through upright and pious narrators that corroborate the content of this hadith, then I wouldn't have narrated it. Now you're like, oh wait, you know, that makes sense again. Obviously, when people get into fights with one another and they take it personally, you know, then like it's like, no, I still disagree with you or whatever. Okay, fine. People are human beings and stuff like that. You have to also appreciate that this is one of the things that 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 uh, the 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 ulama, the muhaddithin, they say that like we won't accept after a certain point they stop accepting uh, contemporaries when they speak ill of one another because everyone their contemporaries are going to be someone or another that that will pick on them in an unfair way. So the next generation, subsequent generations, if they're like, yeah, no, his work was sloppy, then we'll be, uh, we'll be concerned with that. But the subsequent generations, if they're like, no, his work was good, then we can, we can tolerate a little bit of people's contemporaries picking on them because nobody can make everybody happy. So 
this is another thing people see ulama getting into fights and they're like astaghfirullah you know if the ulama can be can't behave this way it's no wonder the ummah is like you know in a whole bunch of like terror and horrible this and that and, the, and it's like look man are you gonna blame me why why are you gonna why i got into a fight on facebook or twitter with somebody about some ilmi issue right it's it's not like i revolted against the caliphate and like you know what i mean like it's not like you can't blame all that on me okay you blame a lot on me but you can't blame all that on me i'm you know unscrupulous so you're not really alim anyway okay fine well if one of the real ulama get, got into a fight with someone about something you know it's actually kind of nice why because imagine there's a generation of people who used to like these things were really important for them so the same guys who are like in the masjid and they're like oh you know you guys fight every year about what what day eid is gonna be this guy of course he's not gonna fight about what day eid is gonna be he doesn't care about the deen you talk about his money then you'll see him, you know, take his gloves off and like, you know, make his way across the street, you know, for like little post whatever meeting. So, okay, fine. You know, there's some silver lining in all of these things. A person of Hilman, a person of, 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 of like that takes a second pause and reflects on things. They'll see there's some khair in everything and there's some bad in everything usually. And they'll take the khair and they'll leave the, <coughs> the shar. But at any rate, uh, when you, whenever you read these things, know that this is a person by doing this, he... Uh, there's a good chance that their their entire narrating the hadith will would have like gone down in ignominy, but they told the truth anyway, and then it turned out that it didn't go down. I mean, people people actually respected the riwayah and whatnot, and then people did tahtik, and once the difference is mentioned, you have a clue that there there's something here. Then people can investigate and find out like which one is it or whatever, right? Oftentimes, like you'll have four books written on the same thing. Uh, or like in which the same narration is across like one is written in Spain and one is written in Morocco and one is written in like Bukhara and the other is written in whatever, you know, Iraq or whatever. And so then like, and, and they don't read each other's books because it's not like they're going to be like, hey, yo, like how's your book coming, you know, on the phone or nothing. So what happens is like several generations later, someone will go to Hajj, see all four books, put them in front of them and then they'll figure it out. Um, all of this is very frustrating for people who want to discredit Islam. Why? Because it means people didn't fudge the data. And so they say one of the things about the Sunni tradition that causes us to suspect, it's suspect in our eyes is because, you know, their ulama wrote explanations that are too convenient because they all make sense. And we say, okay, well, if something makes sense, making sense is a fact that it's a fabrication or indicates that it's a fabrication, then uh, that's your, I mean, that's your problem in your head. Things making sense is not a, doesn't, more often doesn't point to things not being true, but more often than not, it points to things being true. Um, and at any rate, it's definitely not a proof that it's not true. So if you want to actually make tahqiq and show like where things are wrong, go right ahead. Uh, otherwise, this in and of itself uh, is like a really silly doubt for people to entertain inside of their minds. When Abi Hurairah radiallahu ta'ala anhu qala qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wasatul imama wasuddul khalal uh, Sayyidina Abu Hurairah radiallahu ta'ala anhu, uh, he narrates that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, uh, um, stand, stand by thee, uh, 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 stand by thee, uh, um, on thee, uh, uh, by, behind the imam, in the middle of the, in the middle of the line. And uh, uh, um, before that, what was mentioned, there's a hadith of Sayyidina Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, which we skipped. <coughs> Uh, we skipped its translation at any rate, which is what uh, 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 that Allah and His angels, uh, 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 they send their blessings down on the right side of the saf, on the right side of the the the, the, the line. And then uh, there's another hadith that's mentioned, not in the Riyadh al-Salihin, but it's mentioned in the 
in the commentary that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said it's a hadith narrated by uh, by by Ibn Majah that he said sallallahu alaihi wasallam man ammara maysarat al-masjid kutiba lahu kiflani min al-ajr that whoever whoever inhabits the masjid on the left side that person will get double the ajr so now what do we have we have one hadith narrated indicating that the right side is the 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 the, the place to be and another hadith narrating that uh, indicating that the middle is the best the place to be and the other hadith indicating the left side is the best to be so what are you going to do about that so if you're the type of person like oh look you heard one hadith and that's it like you know you're now you're ready for like world war 3 uh, 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 and like against every other opinion then what are you going to do with stuff like this there are so many there are so many occasions in which uh, <coughs> the athar will sh- We'll put, put you in a situation like this uh, um, that uh, you don't know what to do. And this is one of the reasons that we're the Ahlul Sunnah, we're not the Ahlul Hadith. Right? The, 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 the body of the Muslims that are described as being on guidance are the Ahlul Sunnah, they're not the Ahlul Hadith. There are Ahlul Hadith within the Ahlul Sunnah. But that's not something that the whole Ummah agreed on, nor is it the most of it. If it and by, then by extension, if it's something that's agreed upon versus something that's disagreed upon, the thing that's agreed upon has a higher level in the deen than the thing that, that there's a difference of opinion on. So we don't consider, we, we say Ahlul Sunnah Jama'ah, we don't say Ahlul Hadith al Jama'ah. What is the Sunnah? The Sunnah is the actual explanation out of all of these different athar. The Hadith are just the narrations, the, the individual narrations. So there's so many different issues. The Prophet ﷺ in his wudu wiped his head once, he wiped his head twice, he wiped his head three times. You know, khalas, you have now, you know, you have all these uh, different narrations that, that, that you could either say, well, two are wrong and one is right. Or you could say all of them are right at the same time. <coughs> On the zahir, like all of the, the meanings are right. Well, he could, I, I mean, theoretically, he can only wipe his head once, twice, or three. You can't just do all three at the same time. I guess theoretically it's a, it's a possibility that he did all three different things at different times. But that's not, I mean, here this cannot be possible, right? Wiping your head you can do like once, twice, three times, different times. This, this one, you're going to get more reward for being in all three places. It defeats the purpose of even saying anything. Because if you're going to get more reward for all three places, then there's no more. It's like if everyone's excellent, no one's excellent. Right? So what is it? Now you have to, now you have to analyze and you have to use your brain, which is not something that, there's no hadith for that, 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 that will tell you how to, how to reconcile all of these things. You have to use your own brain and understand these things. Right? You have to use your own brain and understand these things. Um, and this is the whole point of ijtihad, this is the whole point of ilm. The ilm is not just the information, it's a nur that Allah Ta'ala puts in your heart that lets you put that information to use for the betterment of your dunya and your akhirah. Uh, and for that of the ummah, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in order to make Allah happy with you. Uh, so, <coughs> the explanation of all of these things Wallahu alam. The ulama have different opinions about these things But the explanation that, that seems to make most sense to me And then if someone else says something else You can go learn that from them as well uh, Is that the, the, the default is what That every saf, the best place in the saf Is the one that's dead behind the imam Perhaps with the exception of the first saf Assuming it's going to fill up anyway but the best, the, the best place is the one that's dead behind the imam, and this is the meaning of this is the meaning of wasitu, like stay in the you know close, stay close to the middle of the stuff. Then there are two places that are that 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 are the number two possibilities. One is to the right of the person who's dead behind the imam, and one is to the left of the person who's dead behind the imam. The hadith with regards to the hadith with regards to the 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 benefit of being on the right 
is <coughs> with regards to the, the one that's to the right of the imam. That it takes priority, or to, to the right of the dead center, it takes priority over the one that's to the left of dead center. Then after that, two more places, uh, two more places, there's a, you know, that you fill the right one and then the left one. But the, the right space, two, two spaces over, is less reward than the left space, one, one place over. Why? Because the left space, one, one space over, is closer to the center. The, the occasion of the hadith of Ibn Majah that we mentioned, that the person who stands on the left, or stays on the right, right side of the, uh, or sorry, the left side of the masjid, that person will get double the ajr. The meaning of it is this is that the Prophet initially indicated to the Sahaba about the virtues of being on the right side of the right right hand side of the saf of the robe. <coughs> because of that, uh, the right the right side would populate and there's like a stigma on the left side. So he's saying, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, okay, because you you know, because you, you prefer with your heart the left side. Know that if you go to the left side of the of the masjid to a place that's better, it's closer to the center of the saf. Instead of keeping the stigma, no Allah will give you more reward because you're you're doing you're following what the commandment is rather than following what you want. Wallahu alam. I've heard I've heard from I've heard from uh, uh, people also that this this right left right left uh, hierarchy is for the rest of the sufuf that the front row it's better to fill up the right first. Because you know that it's the front row is going to fill up, uh, and if that's the case, then that's an issue. If not, it's not. And you know, there's different aqwal about this. To be honest with you, I didn't make tahqiq on it. But the idea is what <coughs> is that there are uh, there are ways in all of these types of different, you know, uh, different cases where the hadith seemingly uh, clash with one another. There are very common sense explanations that that allow a person to reconcile them with one another, and the path of reconciliation is superior to the path of. Uh, um, of, of, of uh, irreconcilability to say that one is right and one is wrong. If you want to say the hadith is wrong, then look through the chain of narration and show, show who's the liar. Uh, there's objectivity in that, that you're not just picking the, the, the text of the hadith that makes you happy. Uh, <coughs> if they're all reliably narrated, then, then, then uh, at least the Maliki Fuqaha, they consider it to be superior that a person should reconcile between different narrations see is there a possibility that all of these narrations can be true at the same time and understand what the place of uh, every one of them is so babu fadl sunan ratibati ma al faraidi wa bayan bayani aqalliha wa akmaliha wa ma bainahuma it's a chapter regarding the virtue of those uh, non-obligatory prayers that are uh, connected with the obligatory prayers and the uh, description of what is the least of, of them and what is the most complete of them and then a description of how to pray them in the middle. Now, uh, as, far as, the, as far as how many rak'ahs do I pray, pray before this or pray after this, don't just read the hadith and say that this is it. The fuqaha have different kalam about different things based on different things. The Maliki position, as far as I can tell, is the easiest one. Which is what? Which is that there are certain prayers. Uh, it's, it's a sunnah to pray extra uh, raka'at before them. And there's certain ones there's sunnah to pray extra raka'at after them. And there's certain ones that it's a sunnah to pray extra raka'at before and after them. Without a, a tawqit or a had. Without any, any defined number of extra rakat. Um, 
Then afterward, different numbers have different virtues uh, according to the uh, hadith narrated. But as a fiqh issue, it's a sunnah. If you want to say, I follow the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, a person can pray two, four, six, eight, any set thereof, before or after, or both before and after. Uh, the other madhahib actually have like set numbers with regards to those things. You can go to fiqh dars and, and learn what those things are. Go to your your Mulana Saab and your Sheikh Saab and you know, ask them what's up and they'll, they'll be happy to explain that to you. But here we're just talking about what? We're talking about the, the, uh, the spiritual benefit and spiritual virtue of doing that. An ummil mu'minina ummi habibata ramla tabnati abi sufyana radiyallahu ta'ala anhuma qalat sami'tu rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallama yaqulu Ma min abdin muslimin yusalli lillahi ta'ala kulla yawmin thintay ashrata wa ashrata raka'atan tatawu'an ghayra faridatin illa bana allahu lahu baytan fil jannah aw illa bana lahu baytun fil jannah bunya lahu baytun fil jannah rawahu muslim uh, Say the Um Habiba radiallahu ta'ala anha uh, uh, Umul Mu'mineen uh, 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 narrates, and so he it's mentioned here in the uh, in the hadith that Um Habib, Habiba, the daughter of Abu Sufyan, uh, her name was what? It was Ramla. Although the the some of the some of the muhaddithin narrate that her name was Hind. But uh, the mashhur, the well-known and the majority, majority position is what? That her name was Ramla. Uh, uh, and um, um Habiba is who? She was married to Ubaidullah, uh, Ubaidullah uh, uh, ibn Jahsh, uh, uh, ta'ala anhu, when they made Hijra to Habasha, to Abyssinia. It's interesting. It's actually, it's actually uh, mentioned here, right? Uh, the, in, the, in the commentary, right? Ramla bifathara wa sukun al-meem Hala qawlu al-akhtharina wa huwa al-asahu al-mashhuru Wa qila smuha hind Ibnatu Abi Sufyan Sakhar bin Harb Bin Umayya Bin Ibn Abdi Shams Ibn Abdi Manaf Ibn Qusay Al-Qurayshiyya Al-Umawiyya Al-Makkiyya Thumma Al-Habashiyya Thumma Al-Madaniyya So this is an honor It's mentioned with honor actually that she is the, the daughter of uh, Abu Sufyan, whose name is Sakhar, uh, uh, Sakhar bin Harb, uh, uh, bin Umayyah bin Sh- Abd shams bin Abdi Manaf, uh, 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 which Abd Manaf is the, the common ancestor between Abu, uh, Abu Sufyan and the Prophet <coughs> People forget this. But Sayyidina Umar, Abu Jahl, Abu Salama, these people are a different clade of Quraysh. Banu Umayyah is the close the 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 clade of Quraysh which is close to Banu Hashim. People forget this, that, you know, like because of like whatever extremist, uh, extremist like Rafidi rhetoric, they make it like as if there's like some showdown between Banu Hashim and and, and Banu Umayyah. That's not the case. That's not the case at all. In fact, in fact, Banu Umayyah was pushing Sayyidina Ali that you go and take the caliphate, or you know, why? Because. The, in the in the in the like the family tree, they're the closer half of the family actually. They're the close. Then Sayyidina Umar radiAllahu Taala Anhu and Sayyidina Abu Bakr, they're the closer half of the family. They're actually they're, as cousins, they're closer to one another. Banu Abdul Manaf. So uh, 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 so Abdul Manaf is the same uh, 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 the same what you call 
<coughs> the common ancestor that uh, that uh, shared between between Abu Sufyan and the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But it's mentioned here. I think it's 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 uh, nice to note that it's mentioned here as a point of honor that she's from Quraysh and she's from Banu Umayyah and she's Makki. Uh, and and she's she's that she's a Meccan and she's an Abyssinian and then she was an Abyssinian and then she was from Medina. <coughs> that that's mentioned being Habashi is mentioned as a a, a sifa of the wife of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and a sifa of, of of honor. You know why? Because it's between Mecca and Medina. So uh, a person knows that this is also a, a matter of honor for those of uh, for those of us who carry the the of jahiliyyah inside of our our hearts. It's good to read things like that in order to cure them. So, <coughs> Um Habiba, uh, Ramlat ibn Tu, Abi Sufyan, uh, her husband Ubaidullah bin Jahsh uh, passes away in, uh, in, in, uh, in, in, in Abyssinia. And after he dies, um, the Prophet ﷺ marries her. And uh, it's narrated that Najashi himself, the, the Negus, the, the Abyssinian king, He'll send a, 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 a dowry, although the Shari'i dowry is not like this, but he'll send a dowry, a gift, for <coughs> on the occasion of their marriage to Medina with, Shar, uh, with Sharahbil bin Hassana. Uh, 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 of, in one narration, it's 4,000 dinars, 4,000 silver coins, uh, sorry, dirhams, 4,000 silver coins, and another narration of 400 dinars, 400 golden coins. Uh, and the Prophet ﷺ married her um, out of honor of her that, look, she made hijrah for the, in the path of Allah Ta'ala and she's far from home. And look, her husband died. And so this is a custom that the Muslims used to take care of their, the, 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 the widows and they used to take care of, uh, uh, they used to take care of uh, uh, widows and they used to take care of the, the, the women that they're, uh, they have no one to provide for them and no one to protect them. Uh, given the fact that she's in Abyssinia at this time, and her father is like one of the big enemies of Islam. Uh, uh, the Prophet ﷺ did what? He honored he, he honored her by marrying her. Uh, nowadays the logic is different. You know, people say you know if a man takes another wife, they'll freak out and they'll like you know call him a pig or whatever. Uh, and uh, that's that's a khatra and it's a, a you know it's a peril to their own iman. Uh, and this doesn't necessarily mean that everybody, some man may happen to be a pig and find get a second wife. That's a different issue. But it's not like lazim malzum, right? So don't think like, oh look, I'm gonna you know send 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 my begum this real sahin recording in order. To... <laughs> if you're a khanzir, that's your issue, right? Uh, but it doesn't mean that necessarily that's the way. People are like, well, if you want to support her, why don't you give her money? What does money solve all the problems in the world? It doesn't. Uh, so she, so the Prophet sallallahu honored her by by by, by marrying her. And look at also Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. What kind of person he is? The daughter of the the the, the one who's like the chief, the Amir of your enemies. If he was if he was a wretched person, he could have humiliated her as a way to get to him. But what did he do? He honored her, and in the long run, it actually got to him even more. What happens? Abu Sufyan comes to Medina Munawwara like right before the Fatah is about to happen. <clears throat> no one gives him the time of day. Like even Bilal radiallahu anhu, who recognizes him, he used to be a slave back in Mecca. They spent so many, like they knew him, right? He was just like, a, you know, and he, he even said that Bilal radiallahu anhu was not giving him the time of day. He used to be a slave uh, 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 and uh, Abu Sufyan was a, one of the noblemen of Quraysh. Uh, and so he sees him again, won't give him a time of day. And then what does he do? He goes to his daughter's house. So she's married to the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, right? So this is, I mean, this is a position of desperation he's in now, right? That he's going to go to his daughter who's going to 
who's going to what, who's going to like give him audience he thinks with the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And when he comes to sit down in the hujra in the in the room, uh, which is attached to the masjid, she pulls the mat back. Says, and and he's like he's confused. What's going on? Like, are you like trying to insult me, or is it just that the mat is not good enough for me? Because they're 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 you know like because he sees the simplicity with which they live, and he's like, I don't get it. Like, is the mat too good for me, or am I too good for the mat? I don't get what's going on. Right? What? But, but who would do that? Especially in Jahili. Nowadays, everyone's like, yeah, I hate my dad. But like back in the day, right? Back in the day, it wasn't like that in Jahiliya. Like they literally used to like worship their ancestors. They literally used to worship their ancestors. So he's like, he's like completely at a loss. Why would she do that? He's not brainwashing or indoctrination. In fact, in fact, if anything, the, the Quran itself uh, uh, seems to indicate that the highest maqam of a person after the, <coughs> after Allah and his Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is to, uh, is to your parents The fuqaha have some details with regards to that Actually for a woman it's her husband Then her parents uh, 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 Again, if your husband happens to be a khanzir Don't bring this into it I mean, this is like a normal situation, right? But why would she do that? That's not the custom of her people Except for the messenger of Allah Treated her well So she's going to feel attachment to him uh, uh, and so, and what did he do? He honored, he honored her, Allah Taala Anha, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, <coughs> Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala have uh, be pleased with all of them. Uh, her her brother, she lives forty four years after the after the the hijra, and uh, 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 Allah Taala have have mercy on her. So she narrates this hadith. There's a lot more to to say, but it's going to we got to we got to read the rest of the hadith. Um, <coughs> That uh, uh, she said, I heard the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam say, "There is no Muslim, there is no slave who submits to Allah Taala who prays uh, to Allah Taala uh, every day as a habit, twelve rakahs uh, uh, that are not fard, that are not an obligation, uh, other than those that are obligatory, except for Allah Taala will build for 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 them a house in Jannah, uh, or uh, that a house will be built for them in Jannah." Again, meaning exact, exact same thing, but out of ihtiyat, out of cautiousness, there is, uh, <coughs> there is what, there's a, a, a recognition that, that the wording might have been here or there a little bit out of the cautiousness and fear of Allah Ta'ala. وَعَنْ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ بْنِ عُمَرَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَىٰ عَنْهُمْ قَالَ صَلَّيْتُ مَعَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ رَكْعَتَيْنِ قَبْلَ الظُّهْرِ وَرَكْعَتَيْنِ بَعْدَهَا وَرَكْعَتَيْنِ بَعْدَ الْجُمْعَةِ وَرَكْعَتَيْنِ بَعْدَ الْمَغْرِبِ وَرَكْعَتَيْنِ بَعْدَ الْعِشَاءِ Muttafaqun alayhi Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhuma He uh, narrates that I prayed with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam <coughs> Two raka'ahs before Zuhr and two raka'ahs after it And two raka'ahs after Jumu'ah And two raka'ahs after Maghrib uh, And two raka'ahs after Isha So he's mentioning that, that, that he's seen the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam pray at these times And that he also used to pray with him at these times وعن سيدنا عبد الله بن مغفل رضي الله تعالى عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم بين كل اذانين صلاه وبين كل سوري بين كل اذانين صلاه بين كل اذانين صلاه بين كل اذانين صلاه قال في الثالثه لمن شاء متفق عليه والمراد بالاذانين الاذان الاذان والاقامه سيدنا عبد الله بن مغفل رضي الله تعالى عنه he narrates that uh, uh, the Messenger of Allah said, 
between uh, every two adhans uh, is a prayer. Between every two adhans is a prayer. Between every two adhans is a prayer. And then the third time he added, for whoever wishes. The two adhans are what? Nawi rahimullah ta'ala. He, 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 uh, he writes that the two adhans are the adhan and the iqama. This is a, a, a this is a custom of the Arabs that they'll they'll do, they'll they'll say stuff like that, right? Like the two zuhurs is zuhur and asr, right? The two ishas is maghrib and isha. The two black things is dates and water. The dates are black. The water obviously isn't black, but you know, dates is dates. You know, you, you ain't gonna starve to death with the dates. The water is not super nourishing, right? So they call it. I don't know why. Maybe there's another reason. Maybe there's I don't know. That's the thing that that the Arabs say, right? So they understood <coughs> what the point what the point of it was. Uh, I remember once I, uh, uh, because this is the the, the madhab of the the, the 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 Malikis and the Hanafis, that uh, um, that Maghrib the adhan is called, and then the iqama is called and the prayer starts. There's no delay, and so someone once came to me and said, uh, uh, said, oh, there's but what about the hadith that there's a prayer between uh, the adhan and every adhan and iqama? I was like, okay, I'll look at it and come back. And then uh, um, I was like, yeah, you forgot the last part. Niman for whoever wishes to. So this means what? <coughs> if they're going to pray like 10 minutes later, then if you pray, there's nothing wrong with it. But it's not, it's not a sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ regularly to, to do so. And Allah, Allah Ta'ala knows best. But between the adhan and the iqama, this is a mubarak time. The person who's in the masjid, especially between the adhan and the iqama, this is a mubarak time. And this is the time the prayers are answered. You're going to get more. You get more mileage out of your salat, out of your nawafil. And the point of the chapter is what? That the nafil prayers are one of the highest means of making spiritual progress. Uh, people who are real excited about like cultural Sufism, uh, uh, you know, they think that the, the <clears throat> your end goal in life is to fly around in the air and shoot lightning bolts out of your uh, fingers or whatever. And uh, it's not. It's not. Even if there were people who could do that. It's not the end goal of the soul. The end goal of the tasawwuf is that your, your, the murid should receive his murad, who is Allah Ta'ala. You should receive Allah Ta'ala. Allah should be pleased with you. You should be pleased with him. Afterward, whatever happens with the rest of creation is the creation's business. It's not your problem. And so uh, for those people, they're like, oh, I have such and such weird which was given to me by Sayyidina Khidr alayhi salam. And if I say it, I can like, you know, I can make strawberries rain out of the sky in October and whatever. It's good. Maybe maybe someone got that weird. And maybe Sayyidina Khidr really gave it to them. Allahu alam. Allah knows best, you know. Who am I? I, I don't know. I don't know. Stuff happens. The creation of Allah Ta'ala is, is, is uh, ajib and overwhelming. and uh, Who knows, right? But what about the word that you receive from someone who has a higher maqam than Sayyidina Khidr alayhi salam? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi salam. And what if what you get is better than strawberries raining out of the sky in October? If you worship the dunya, the strawberries thing is way cooler. If you love the dunya, I swear to you flying around shooting lightning bolts, it's like, it's amazing. They'll make a movie about you. And you'll care about the movie because it's also, you, the, the dunya is your, your murad. That's what you want. You'll get it. <clears throat> and it's all a complete waste of time. Show up, Yom Al-Qiyamah, and Allah Ta'ala says to you, you got what you wanted. Don't ask me for a reward right now. That's going to be somewhat disappointing, isn't it? Given that all of us are going to be there at some point or another. And that's going to be a very oh crap moment for a lot of people. Because everyone knew they were going to go there. And uh, uh, now that they're there, they're going to be like, wow, a lot of choices I made in life were not super amazing. It's a very simple, it's a very simple calculation. Allah forgive us for not having 
given it its due, but uh, it's a very uh, simple calculation, and uh, <coughs> it's it's elegantly summarized again and again in our in our tradition. So I was reading through the Pandanama of Mawana Fariduddin Attar, rahimahullah ta'ala. So then I, I posted the I posted the uh, the thing up on the thing. So he said, "Harke harke." He says, "Harke ura The person who didn't know Allah Taala in their in their life, uh, that person has gotten nothing out of out of what they needed to out of life. You're here for you know if you know who I don't know. Jeff Bezos is like whatever, like Lex Luthor clone, richest guy in the world right now, currently, right? It's going to be some other, some other scammer like tomorrow, right? So today he's the one, you know, before Bill Gates was a thing. Now nobody even, you know, nobody calls him on his birthday anymore. Because uh, Microsoft, nobody like, you know, everyone hates Windows and whatever now, right? So, okay, fine. This is whatever. The other guy, the other guy, he, they gave him a second liver and he still died. The Apple guy. Uh, uh, so he... Huh? Sativ job, right? So now he's 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 gone. He's gone now. So we cried. We cried at his eulogy. Now we forgot about him. Now it's Jeff Bezos. Who knows who's going to be the craziest? Maybe the grumpy cat or whatever. Tomorrow is going to be the new multi-trillionaire or whatever. So if he says to you, "Hey, go <clears throat> go down to Walmart and pick me like a bottle of aspirin, and I'll pay you a billion dollars," right? Uh, and just make sure it's here in within like four hours. It's easy. If if you go and hang out at Jerusalem Cafe for three and a half hours, then afterward aren't able to get the bottle to him and get your billion, that's your bad. That's 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 your bad. So khair, this is this is this is what it is, right? That these things right pray twelve rakahs in the day. Everyone hates it. For whatever reason, everyone hates it so much. Like it's like the worst thing in the world. As if like praying rakahs is like getting your teeth pulled out by the dentist. For God's sakes, it's the, the 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 word that was given to you by Allah Taala. At least pretend in your heart that you have like that you're thankful for it and that you want to do it. <coughs> I give I give props to the Hanafi Madhab for using fiqh to beat people up into making them pray their sunnahs. <laughs> okay, I don't know about the Hanbali school, but like in the in the Maliki Shafi'i school, the 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 rawatib are like nawafil anyway, right? So there's no like blame on a person who doesn't pray. A lot of people just skip. They just don't do it. You know what I mean? Like the Mauritanians, I, see, I saw my Mashaikh at least, they, they, they pray them, right? But like, those are like, those are some pretty like level seven piety type dudes, you know? Like they're not, they're like, they're, they're not like normal. I don't know, like if I hung out in a, in a, in a village somewhere in Morocco or whatever, or, or in Algeria, if it's the case, I bet in the village it probably is in the city, Allah knows best, right? But the idea is, this is like, <coughs> you know, the Nawafil are not going to bite. They're not going to kill you. There's good, there's khair, there's good in it. You know? At least in Ramadan, like, do it. You know what I mean? Like, at least sometime in the days, so at least two rakahs more than what you absolutely, like, bare minimum had to, you know. But just at least pretend it's not, like, the most horrible thing in the world. Who knows? Maybe one day, like, you know, you'll be, like, accidentally, like, focus on your salat and the nur will hit your heart and you'll become a good person. How horrible would that be? And then all of a sudden you don't, your friends are like, oh, that person's become religious now and we don't want to hang out with them. Or whatever. Like, you know, they're dumb in the first, but why you want, then you'll realize, like, why, who cares? Why? Allah Ta'ala gave you a small amount of time. The, 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 the Nafil prayer is, is the, one, of the highest, one of the highest vehicles to, to, to reaching that goal of receiving Allah Ta'ala. And it's given to you by who? Not by Sayyidina Khidr alayhi salam. By who? One of the few people who you can say with 
with surety that his uh, maqam is uh, uh, higher than Sayyidina Khidr alayhi salam. That Sayyidina Khidr will also stand in front of the jalat, the muajah sharifa, and cry and ask for shafa'a. So it's given to you directly by him, and you got it, Riyal Salihin, for free in Lombard, Illinois. How, how wonderful, how amazing is that? Right? Uh, <coughs> uh, this is, this is a, a good thing. And there are people then who start to benefit from these things. And uh, then big things happen for them, right? Two rak'ahs of nafil will do a lot for a lot of things, a lot of issues. It will do a lot for you. If it will do a lot for you in your dunya, it will do a lot for you in the akhirah. Pray 12 of them in the day. If you can't pray 12 of them in the day, at least pray, pray two. Pretend like you're like actually like somebody who cares about Islam at least, you know? Pray your two before Fajr, pray your two after Maghrib or whatever. If oh, it's too much, so back up. Okay, just the two before Fajr. You know this, at least in the Maliki school, it's a, it's considered a, the Masnoon way of reading the two rak'ahs before Fajr. You just read the Fatiha. You don't even read the 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 second surah in it, right? And the Hanafis, oh, they're all hardcore about sunnahs, right? So he read like, They're like the shortest surahs in the Quran. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it doesn't really take all that long. So <coughs> at least <coughs> at least do that. Uh, uh, inshallah, and who knows? You know, something, something good might happen. And this is this has to do with what it has so many different things, like the tarawih issue, right? The f- whatever yearly fist fight of eight versus twenty, and they've made partition. You know, they made partition in India and Pakistan, like a million people died and because of this. They make partition in the in the in the in the masjid parking lot now. You know, you park on one side if you're like, it's like, it's like a, or like, it's like the Ashkenazim and the Sephardim like are like getting together once a year for this like for a, for some combined service or whatever. The Pope and the Orthodox Patriarch of like of of Constantinople or Moscow or whichever one is like the big big dude nowadays. You know, they're getting together for some ecumenical service or whatever, right? What is it? Something that everyone can agree on, eight and twenty can agree on, is what that the nafil is good. So just keep your car parked and pray. You don't have to give up your fiqh opinion. If your fiqh opinion is so like uh, uh, closely held, you don't have to give it up. Keep it, hold it close to your heart and until the day you die, like, you know, have it, whatever, tattooed on your heart and buried in your qabr with it. It's fine. Right? But everyone can agree that what? That, that praying two rak'ahs of nafil is a good thing. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Don't run away from it. Don't fight it. Submit to it. Accept it. It's good for you. Uh, uh, and so we also talked about the virtues of reciting the Quran before in this dars, and we also talked about the virtues of La ilaha illallah, which is why the dars is followed by the zikr for whoever wants to stay. So these are these are uh, good hadith to remember when it's when when you feel the itch of like running away from your sunnahs, you'll feel the itch of running away from it. As soon as salam happens, you'll feel the itch for running away from your zikr. You'll feel the itch for running away from the sunnah. <coughs> Just be like no. Allah Ta'ala gave this to me and I love to sit and do this even if I don't feel right now anything but it's I know that the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam doesn't lie it's a sign of Allah's love and I'm going to sit for this I'm going to do this and even if I don't see it and even if I don't feel it because the deen is not there's no there's no sahabi like named by the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Abdul Feelings <laughs> there wasn't even though we have a lot of Abdul Feelings type dudes nowadays and dudettes uh, but there's no Abdul Feelings type people in that, in that generation so whether you, you whether you whether you feel it or you don't, you know one day you'll feel it, and it's not that far away either. It just takes a little bit of effort, not that much. It takes a little bit of effort with a little consistency. You'll live for like 70, 80, 100 years. It takes like, like literally like three weeks of effort. And you'll start feeling it. But khair, nobody wants to do that. Whether you feel it or you don't feel it, know that when you're when you're <coughs> sitting there for your zikr, 
you're receiving the blessing of Allah Ta'ala from, from His angels sending the barakat down on you. Allahumma firlahu, Allahumma arhamhu. Oh Allah, uh, f forgive him. Oh Allah, forgive her. Oh Allah, have mercy on him. Allah, have mercy on her. And the, 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 the stop doing that. The, 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 the sunnas, the rawatib, the nawafil that go with the different salats. That, that house is being built for you in Jannah. It's being built for you in Jannah. You may destroy it by doing other dumb stuff. It's like, yeah, I pray 12 rakahs every day and I run a liquor store. Okay, that's like, that's going to come out in the wash, right? That's, that's, don't expect that, right? But still, it's better for you than if you didn't do it. And if you're trying not to, you know, go that route, you're trying not to go down the dark, dark side path, then the house, is, it's being built for you. Whether you know it or you don't know it, doesn't matter, it's still going to be there for you. So many things you don't know. A person is invested in the stock market. You know, they don't know how much money they're going to make at the end of the year, but, you know, they'll still make it. You know, the, whatever company is doing what it's doing, and you're still going to make the money at the end of the year that you make. We can trust in all of those other things. This is something also to, to trust about, that there are certain sins Allah Ta'ala will not forgive except for through the nafil prayers. It doesn't matter if you fast on Mondays and Thursdays. There are certain sins Allah Ta'ala won't forgive except for through the nafil prayers. Certain sins Allah won't forgive except for through through nafil fasts, certain sins Allah won't forgive except for through going through a difficulty uh, because of your family, because all of these different things, there's there's benefit in it, inshallah. Allah Ta'ala give us from its benefit. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala rasulihi Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.